This episode of the Rodney and Steve podcast is sponsored by Metafitix Pilates Bootcamp. Metafitix Pilates Bootcamp is the most complete fitness class you will ever take. It is a combination of Pilates and a combination of high interval training. So not only do you get the lengthening and the strengthening and the core conditioning of Pilates and the alignment and, and just the, the overall well-being and body awareness that you get from Pilates, you also get the cal- calorie burn and that high from that high interval training. So you're working with weights and, and TRX straps, BOSUs, body weight exercises, all kinds of fun stuff to really get that heart rate up and to burn those calories that uh, we we'll, we'll want to burn and just work on the cardiovascular health of, of our body as well. And each class is different. So every time you come in, it's always going to be a different workout, some, uh, some of the same exercise, but different workouts. So there's some familiarity to it. So it keeps the mind fresh. It keeps the body fresh and uh, guessing at every point in time. So you even get more and better results. Anybody can take a class at any point in time. It's set up. So it doesn't matter what fitness level you're at. You can come in and take a class. The classes are relatively small. We have no more than 10 people in the class because we really believe in the individual and just really focusing on good form and getting the best you can out of your workout. If you mention this podcast, the Rodney and Steve podcast, you will get 10% off your first month of memberships. So you can give us a call. It's 585-425-1113. That's 585-425-1113. Or you can email Steve at meta-fitx.com and let us know that you are interested in coming in and taking a class. And our first class is always free. And then from there, to mention this podcast, you will get your first month 10% off. All right. I look forward to seeing you guys in class and enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Rodney and Steve here. And today, our guest is John Hutchins, or aka John H, is the owner of Fitness Edge Media. And we're here today just to kind of chat about uh, his story and uh, what he's done in his life because he's had a long life of doing quite a few amazing things, I think. And uh, let's just kind of delve right in. John, what are you What are you up to? What are you doing right currently right now? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here, gentlemen. Um, oh, thank you. First guest. Yeah, first guest. Exactly. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's an honor and a privilege. But um, and I appreciate you telling everyone I've had a long life, which is AKA I'm old. Um, but... What am I up to? Um, what am I not up to, I think, is more appropriate question these days. Uh, Healthy Edge Media is my primary um, vehicle, modus operandi, if you will, out there in the community. I'm promoting health, wellness, and fitness uh, through a magazine called Healthy Edge. You did say Fitness Edge Media. That is correct. That is the corporate name, but I changed the, the magazine and all the platform to Healthy Edge in January of 2016 because okay. I'm, I'm broader now. You can you can attest to that, right? He's um, growing. Yeah, so we do Healthy Edge magazine. I'm on Healthy Edge radio every Sunday at 9 a.m. That is on uh, Fox Sports Rochester, 1280 a.m. So if you want to tune in, that's about an hour-long show. Well, it's exactly an hour-long show because I, I pay for that time. And um, they don't give me a minute extra, so I get one hour. And uh, I do, um, you see me out there on social media. I'm a voracious social media, primarily Facebook. I know that's old school, but... Uh, Not old school, I'm on it all the time. Yeah, Facebook yeah. is yeah. my you know, primary social yeah. media vehicle. But we're on all the, you know, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. 
we have a Tumblr account. I don't even know what that is, but I, don't know what I upload pictures that. to it, and there you go. Um, Pinterest. Yeah, exactly. I'm not on Snapchat. You, either of you guys on Snapchat? No, no, I'm not. No, I don't even know what that is. We're, we're late to the I, game, I, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. That's what I get on It's pretty big, though. I'm, I'm lucky I'm on Facebook and just learning that right now, you know. Yeah, I, that, I, the face page or whatever yeah, our yeah. grandmas call it. Um, so, exactly. yeah, we have an event uh, platform. It's primarily an annual fitness festival. It's a, the Rock City Health and Music Fest. It's coming up August 12th and 13th at Ontario Beach Park. Yeah, I'm doing that. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm you're going to be out there. And um, Rodney, you going to be out there? Are you going to do bells on the beach? Are you still kettlebelling these days? Or? I still am. Yeah, for sure. Do bells on the beach. There you bells go. Bells on some the yoga. beach. That's uh, Saturday. You've got some yoga going on. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. But um, that's what I'm doing. We uh, sell Healthy Edge Meals, which is kind of a offshoot of the platform. People buy uh, low sugar or low glycemic, uh, no sugar added meals. It's basically meat, grain, vegetable. Pretty simple. Five bucks, fresh, not frozen. So we do that, and uh, I'm currently heading up a program called Community Fitness down at World Gym on East Avenue. Um, it is, um, Rodney, you'd appreciate this. It is uh, the Marxist version of personal training. We have Marxist a team. Version. <laughs> Marxist version. We have a team of it's egalitarian. We're all equals. We're all interchangeable parts. I actually told uh, all the guys that work for me that I'm changing their name to the same name. They're all going to be like Vinnie Rockwell. There's four guys. I said, you're Vinnie Rockwell, you're Vinnie, because we're interchangeable. You come in and you get training from a team of trainers um, every time you walk in the gym. That's cool. Yeah, it's, nice. it's kind of a... So why is it a group thing or is it like... No, you're, you're still doing your individual program. Um, we slot right. you into a fitness level, like a beginner, intermediate advanced and elite um, through a, a fitness assessment and then we kind of progress you you have to achieve I was a boy scout back in the day so I pull from all of my past in, inspirations so I don't want to say it's like a merit so badge merit type badges. thing but yeah. you have to achieve X amount of workouts before you can test out to move to the next level and then when you do that you get a new workout card so it kind of has some video game uh, you know components to it too you you work hard to achieve a next level that's kind of a cool idea I yeah like i kind of like that i mean it, it gives a, a purpose a little bit you know um, well the whole thing is it's geared toward um our challenge is we're at world gym on east avenue and a lot of people that go there are self-sufficient exercisers um steven you're a personal trainer yeah I don't know if you've ever worked in the mill, you know, the corporate gym uh, setting. Not and, too much, no. Yeah. I, I don't work for the, the people pe very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, surprisingly, I don't either. But uh, it, it's working well down there. But you have a lot of people, I call it the I'm okay chief people. You know, you say, hey, I'm a trainer. They're like, I'm okay chief. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Yeah, I want to yeah. say with all due respect, you're not. But, right, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's, okay, whatever. So we're trying to sell to a clientele that, you know, it's self-sufficient, but there is a lot of members that pay dues down there and don't attend. And those are the people that we want to engage and we want to motivate and we want to hold accountable. We want to help them hold themselves accountable to a regular exercise program. The primary function of community fitness is help people achieve consistency with their exercise. That, that is pretty much the whole thing. All yeah. the trappings that keep people motivated, the psychological components that... Well, I think it boils down to 
when you think about going to the gym, what's the immediate next thought? If it's like, oh shit, I don't want to go do it today, or the traffic's going to be bad, or it's going to be crowded, it's going to be hot in there, I don't know how to use the machines, uh, it's not working anyway, I'm not losing weight. If that's your first, next thought, then we're failing. Our next, The next thought has to be, hey, I like those guys, I want to go down and work out with them, they keep me motivated, they're fun, they know me, you know, there's a familial... Um, component to it that's what we're trying to do that's really cool it's definitely an interesting uh kind of concept like what do you think of when you think of working out and i I think it changes with me constantly like sometimes it depends on my day right like Mm -hmm. um some days like i fucking need to do yoga today just because i need it out or some days like oh i gotta go do yoga and it's how we approach our workouts is, is very interesting and do you think do you think like the way someone approaches that will affect the way they actually work out in that specific workout? Yeah, I mean, if you think about our success or failure in any endeavor in life, it's those fleeting moments, those thoughts that just your whole experience can turn on, right? Um, So with respect to exercise, I feel I've been successful um, in the fitness business in that I understand that psychology and the importance of those fleeting thoughts. So, I mean, when I owned the Downtown Fitness Club, my whole marketing campaign was, you're not going to effectively have somebody see your Facebook post or read your ad in the Democrat Chronicle and say, light bulb moment, I gotta go work out at the Downtown (laughs) Fitness Club. What you wanna do is you wanna impress upon their subconscious thoughts that brand that image, that feeling, if you will. Like, hey, you know what? I feel like this is familiar. It's comfortable. I I, kind of like their style. And that moment that they think, you know, I need to start working out, their very next thought had to be the downtown fitness club. So, you know, I worked hard to be out there and ever present in their sphere of communication, right? Whether it be social media. uh, That's why Healthy Edge is on all the platforms. People say, you know, I sell advertising. And Stephen, you you advertise with me, right? Right. Um, the toughest sell today is go to a company and say, "Hey, I'm Healthy Edge, and I've got a magazine." They don't hear anything else after that. They go, "I don't do print. I don't think print's effective. People don't read print." Right. They're wrong. Um, actually, niche publications, which this is, it, I mean, it focuses on a, a field, um, are actually experiencing nationwide double-digit growth. But even if they, even if the print didn't work. I'm a social media advertiser and print just comes off of that. So I leverage all the platforms. I kind of amplify each other with the other one, if that makes sense. And we try to get into their subconscious mind. So I'm a big student of that. I've always, um, you know, just kind of done my own market research, if you will. How do you get people to think their next thought about your brand. I like, to, I like to think I'm the voice in a lot of people's head when it comes to fitness. When they think, I, I'm not gonna work out, um, I want that next voice to be this voice right here saying, you know, you, you probably should work out. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not, uh, hey, it's awesome, it's great. Exercise kinda sucks sometimes, you yeah. know? It's, it's, but it's that consistency that you achieve irrespective of your emotions that is going to determine ultimately your success or failure with anything, but especially exercise. So 
you know, that's, that's what we try to do with Healthy Edge. Um, we try to be ever-present in your thoughts so you think, hey, I want to, I even if you think I don't want to, you think on some level, I want to do this. I, don't, yeah. I, I trained a client this morning, 6 o'clock this morning. She said, I don't want to be here. I said, on, <laughs> I said, on some huh. level, you do. She said, you're right, I'm here. I said, you set your alarm, you answered it, you came. On some level, you want to be here. Even if 99% of your molecules and every fiber in your body says, I don't want to be here, I get that. But someplace in there, there's a little voice that says, I want to do this. And that's why you're here. And we're going to have a kick-ass workout. That's right. And, and, and we I did. Always, and I always say, everybody, I always tell all my clients, too, it's like you're never going to regret not. You're ever going to regret going. You're only even going to regret not going because you always feel a hell of a lot better when you're done. doesn't matter how, whether you're hungover, whether you have two hours of sleep. It doesn't matter. You go in there, you move just a little bit, and you get it done. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's the fucking key. I think it's happened key. to me a million times, you know? too. Like, I don't want to go, but then after I'm done and I'm walking out, I'm like, man, I'm glad I, I'm glad I came. I'm glad yeah. I went to yoga. I'm glad I did these things. Um, I was... I think I see a correlation. Like when you're talking about your entrepreneur event, like things going on, and then we're talking about fitness. And I was wondering, do you look at those the same way? Like, oh yeah, you know, it's 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 almost like I, I've noticed looking into fitness more and the people that are running gyms and stuff. This like that entrepreneur mindset is similar to just the mindset of going into a workout beforehand. Agreed, 100%. I mean, the, the recipe for success in life and anything that you do is it, there's a commonality, whether you want to be, you want to design the next, uh, you know, technology out there and you're a, an engineer, an electrical engineer, and there's all these algorithms and formulas that's beyond my scope of understanding, or whether you just want to get people to eat um, chicken, rice, and broccoli, right? Right. The, the steps are the same. Um, there's the vision, there's, um, the, uh, I guess the figuring out of the strategy, right. there's the application of the strategy. And then along the way, there's, there's adversity to that. It is. Right. We got and a dog barking. And there's the dog barking. And so, you know, where the rubber meets the road is how do you, how do you overcome that adversity? How do you, whether it's a business plan or you not feeling like doing your workout. Right. You know, Rodney's correct. There, there's, a, there's a commonality and a, a parallel between those two things. I agree 100%. Right. 100%. That's really cool. So what got, what, what, you know, have you been in fitness your whole life? And what, like, what really got you into wanting to be an entrepreneur in the fitness industry and just kind of, you know, because obviously I'm an entrepreneur as well in the fitness industry and been doing it for a long time. What kind of, what, I'm curious as to what brought you into it and, and, and uh, brought you to where you are today. Yeah, um, professionally, and when I say professionally, I mean I got paid to do it. Um, <laughs> July 17th, which was what, a week or two ago, yeah. um, was my 20th anniversary of starting in the fitness business. I started working at the Rochester Athletic Club July 17th, 1997. Okay. Um, wow. Rodney, what you were you won. doing in 1990? Graduating <laughs> high school. There you go, buddy. <laughs> there you go. I wasn't that much older. Though. I was 29. <laughs> I was already graduated, though. So. Oh, yeah? Okay. So I I'm graduated in 93. Older. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're not that much younger than me. I'm no. an 86er uh, high school. <laughs> oh, there you go. But um, 
Yeah, I started professionally 20 years ago. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, um, I grew up in rural central New York. I'm a 315-er, little town Montezuma. I went to Port Byron High School. I was, uh, I was a good athlete. Um, as my children like to tell me, who are also good athletes, they're like, Dad, you didn't play against anybody. No, I weighed 150 pounds back then. And I, they were probably right. Um, I weighed about 145 pounds. I didn't know anything about nutrition. I loved Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. Um, you know, I was skinny. And so I went to a community college there in Auburn, Cayuga Community College. And my buddies, who were a couple years older than me from Port Byron, were working out in the weight room. They said, come work out with us. So I started working out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Did the same routine every, Monday, every day. Um, benched, <laughs> squatted. My friends, my friends didn't squat. I, I don't know how it was fortuitous that I found my way to the squat rack and I did it myself. Um, but I used to do the same weights. On Wednesdays, we did max reps on bench press. Um, so bench first, max on Wednesday, um, squat, I went to 315 every time, um, I was young and dumb, I squatted ass to grass, um, my, my <laughs> yes. back is still whack, it's, it's wonky <laughs> to this day because I didn't understand about the butt wink and I, I was tucking the tail, you know, I yeah, was, I was messing that. myself yeah, yeah, up, but yeah, yeah. Um, then I'd go to shoulder press, I would do bicep curls, tricep push downs, lat pull-downs, sit-ups, and that was my workout. And in about three months, I gained 40 pounds um, of oh, pretty much muscle. Solid, solid muscle. I was, awesome. I was yoked out of my mind. I was 18 years old and just full of testosterone, and I found a way to put it to use. And uh, I started working when I went to CCC, Cayuga Community College, at Domino's Pizza. So I was eating pizza like seven times a day, um, didn't know anything about nutrition, but your body just turned it into muscle, right? Yeah, when you're the kid, you don't got it. doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So yeah. professionally, 20 years, um, my epiphany that I wanted to be working out, because I think every young man that you know he walks into a weight room and, and likes it, and, and I think we determine how much we like it by how good we become at it. Right. So I don't know, had I worked out for three months and didn't see any gains or anything like that, might be a different story, but... Um, so my interest kind of took off at 18 years old, so I'll be 50 in a few months. So what's that, 32 years ago. Wow. That's, that's how nice. long I've been interested um, in fitness. So from there, started my journey. I started reading every muscle mag I could find. Um, you know, started going to the library, reading books. We, you know, we didn't have computers back then, 1986, 87. Um, I'm self-taught, you know, out of, out of interest and... Uh, I don't regret it for a minute. I mean, I love the fitness business. Right. I love helping people nice. on that journey. Um, I love solving problems, riddles. Not, you know, if someone doesn't like working out, I like trying to figure out how to make them right. work out or want to work out or at least like the benefits. You know, it's... I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why we, that's one of the reasons why we, why we wanted to start this podcast, too. It's for that very reason. It's just that we know everybody needs to move. And it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter whether you, you don't have to lift weights necessarily right. to be healthier, to, to, but we just want to get you to move. And, you know. Well, I like what you're doing, getting, man. Getting with a, I uh, do. You're doing some Pilates-based yeah, stuff. Pilates and yeah. boot camp stuff. I, stuff I've yeah. said for years, um, 
Kathleen Burnfield. She's Bush now. She's married and got a couple of kids. I think she's doing some teaching at the Southeast Y over there in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Um, she worked for me when I first bought the uh, Downtown Fitness Club, 2004, 2005. Uh-huh. Um, I took her Pilates class. It is the single hardest discipline, fitness discipline I've ever done. And not because it's hard in an arduous way. It's a right. very nuanced, hard difficult to do the movements and make your body move the way that she could make it do and I've loved it since you know I've done it for periods of time I've drifted away and come back but Pilates based movements are I mean they're phenomenal yeah and it's I I love what you're doing I I believe it's like key to I think everybody should learn Pilates because it's just once you it's just once you do that, it's in, you just become. We don't need to know what a transverdominus muscle is or names of muscles, but you you just feel it. You just know. Okay, if I'm lifting this weight or if I'm doing this bench press or something like that, and you have your Pilates training behind you, it just informs that exercise much more. You feel your if you're out of alignment. You know, you might yeah. be doing a bicep curl like this and not realize it. You know, um, if you didn't have the Pilates training, when you have the Pilates training, you're like, holy shit, this this is it's huge. So your alignment and what you're doing is is especially when you're lifting weights is very 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 important. You know, so yeah, I, I find it. I think that awesome the key word I'm hearing is feel. You're actually feeling. And I think there's a lot of exercise and workouts there that push past. You turn off the feeling, right? You're just gonna push through it. And you're gonna do these things where mm-hmm. like you don't actually know what you're doing because you're just you're pushing through it. You're 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 going as fast as you can, and you're not paying attention to those fine movements right. in between. And and that's, I mean, in my opinion, is a recipe for disaster. If you can't stop and feel, if you're doing a deadlift and you're not feeling it, you know, you're not setting up that that correctly right. and the right feeling of just the setup of the deadlift, like you're screwed. Yeah. You know, the whole motion of a deadlift is a setup, right? Yeah. And yep. some people just go down and pick it up. You help, you help teach me that. Um, you know, along the way, I've, I've picked up so many things from so many different people uh, along the way. Rodney, you know, I think when I think of Rodney, I think of kettlebells. You know, that was kind of our first, um, yeah. you know, how we kind of knew each other. And then um, nice. you had a gym. You, you yep. eventually uh, got your own gym. And it was, you know, the, the kettlebell is just such a rugged um, training instrument, but also nuanced, right? I mean, it hits muscles in ways that you just can't do with barbells and dumbbells, right? You're... Uh, lengthening muscles as well as strengthening yeah. muscles. So Pilates, kettlebells. Um, it's all good. It, it is all good. I think people yeah. should do everything. But, yeah. you know, I know human interest. And that's, that's the one thing that I've, I'm really interested in now, which is um, the psychology of motivation. What motivates yes. individuals? Yeah. And, I and I, you know, with Healthy Edge, with the magazine, you know, you just look at... you. If you look at the table of contents, it really kind of speaks to my personal evolution with uh, the philosophy of health, wellness, and fitness. You know, I've got um, some mental health professionals that write columns for me because, you know, I ask myself the question, I didn't love exercise, but I found a way to motivate myself and, you know, just get myself to do it. Why do some people fail to do that? I mean, it's, it's not... A bad thing. I can't think of a single bad thing that comes from exercise. Um, yet, p- 
people are averse to it. There's a whole world. Yeah, it, pu- it pushes people's boundaries. It's like right. It's there. It's, there there's challenges like, there. Yeah, people don't want comfort levels exactly. and zones. And and most and people don't. They want to be comfortable. They don't want to. They don't want to fail. Don't wanna, they, they don't, don't want to risk failure, exactly. and they it's feel huge. like if they don't succeed at it, um, then somehow it diminishes them as a person. So yeah. I I love the psychology of motivation now. And uh, so we, we put that on there, but we talk about nutrition. We've got columns about nutrition and the dangers of sugar and uh, metabolic uh, diet uh, strategies and things like that. Yoga's in there. I have a yoga columnist. Uh, this Sunday, uh, our radio show will have Kate Vantucci. She writes our yoga column. I love um, her, by the way. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's, she's amazing. Work yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, she, she's, she's a great interview. She brought her son, Gabriel. He's seven. He, uh, he, he was about half the interview. The kid, kid's a great, <laughs> great interview. Um, we talked everything. But, um, yeah, uh, that's the table of contents is, you know, that's kind of what I'm into now. Yeah. You know, I, like, I like people. I'm anti, uh, we talked about social media for marketing purposes. I don't like, I think social media battlefield, so to speak, is a dangerous place for people who suffer from motivational challenges because it sets unrealistic standards and it allows people to manipulate the narrative. And there's people out there, I don't even think they're overtly trying to do it, but they say, if you don't look like this or if you don't work this hard, you suck. And people get discouraged by that. It's it's the most fucking frustrating thing ever. And I I think one of the biggest... One of the things that I hear all the time, and I think it's directly correlated to what you're saying, is I'll have people that I'll talk to that will come into me and say, well, I can't take your class right now because I'm not in good enough shape to do it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. The whole, <laughs> the whole point of exercise is to get in shape, right? So it's in, in my marketing, and I'm you know, doing like a crash course in marketing the past seven or eight months, especially, especially online stuff to kind of really learn how to talk to people on the mm-hmm. same note, you know, but my part of the process of that too is just telling people, you know what, you got to start somewhere, you know, and just standing up and lifting your leg up and hitting your hand is a start, mm-hmm. you know, going for a brisk, fast walk outside is a start, you know, yep. and obviously I always correlate it back to my studio and to what I do, and I just say, you come in and you just do what you can, that's it, it's set up, so anybody can come in, you do maybe three round or two, one round of three exercises, where somebody else has been doing it for, we'll do four rounds of that same thing, yep. so it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, and I think getting that word out there and get, knocking down that fear that people have and just it's saying, hey, yeah, it's, you're not, most, 90% of the people don't look like what you see on Online and half the fucking people that you see online are, are freaking, you know, photoshopped or you know, taped up or you know, painted or whatever. You know, they don't look that like that in real life. You know, and I think I don't. That that's, I don't look you know, as good as my pictures on social media. Yeah, it's, it's like we all put our best version of Absolutely, ourselves out there, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, it's like my kids drive me nuts because you know, when we're hanging out, you know, we want to do some, you know, hey, let's do some selfies or anything like that. You got to take 17 pictures. They're like, oh, I don't like that one. Don't like that one. Don't like that one. It's like, yeah, you know what? Do you, you remember when we had to get photos developed? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you didn't, ha- you didn't have that immediate gratification. It's like, man, I hope these pictures look good. Um, right. yeah, yeah, so social media is, is kind of a double-edged sword. It does help us get our message out there. Um, it's a great marketing tool. But at the same time, it sets, I think, an unrealistic 
vision of what fitness looks like in the, I, I hesitate to say average person. I mean the norm, you right. know, the people that are kind of in the middle. Um, and, and 80% of the population struggles with exercise, right? Yep. And fitness. 80%. And that's, 80%, yeah. That's a yeah. big number. Well, it's huge, you know. You know, I've again, 20 years in the fitness business, you market to the, the, the um, conventional wisdom, if you will. You market to women, and you market to the people who are not successful with exercise. The rest of the, the, rest of the demographics takes care of itself, if you do a good enough job with, with that. Strange, right. huh? Strange. Mm, yeah. That's crazy. True. I want to go back to the food. So what's your take on food? Like, what do you, um, do you do meal plans and stuff like that? And I eat food. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love food too. It's good stuff. You know, uh, again, <laughs> I, I grew up um, rural uh, area, not, um, I don't want to say my parents are uneducated, but they weren't educated in the area of nutrition. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. So, um, and, you know, moderate means. So we were eating things like um, Salisbury steak from Swanson. Uh, I remember that stuff. I used to love Spam. We had Spam in the house. I'd cut off a couple slices, (laughs) fry it up, put it on some toast. Um, Lunch every day was brown bag lunch. Uh, It was white bread, a slice of bologna, and a slice of American cheese and mayonnaise. Um, I bet you that stuff was actually healthier back then than it is now. Probably, probably. It's changed it so much, you know? You know, and then I would eat cereal for breakfast or cereal for snack and, you know, no protein. I was skinny, uh, but, you know, I was born well. I have a good genetic profile, so it wasn't horrible. Um, So nutrition just kind of became my my personal passion when I wanted to be a 22 one-year-old knucklehead guy that wanted to be as big as a house, you know, and I started reading about how many calories should you take. I've eaten 6,000 calories a day for a long period of time. I've, I've fasted for eight days and eat, eaten no food for eight de- days. So I've been on all the extremes. I've, I've kind of experienced it myself. I'm my own guinea pig. I think where I'm at now is moderation. You know, I do think sugar is... Um, it's, like it's dangerous. Evil. Yeah. Yep. I think it's uh, you know it's culture. in our psyche, it's in our culture, it's in our economy, so ingrained that it's there. I mean, it's it's the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, um, and we'd be better off if we don't do it. But at the same time, I've I've said this a lot lately. The two brand values that I want Healthy Edge to be known by is accessibility. I want it health and fitness accessible to as many people as possible and I want sustainability. I want it to be a something that you can sustain. So if you cut sugar entirely out of your life, can you do that for the long term? You absolutely can. Will you do it for the long term? Probably not. It's very hard and I think that that's one of the things that I've you know struggled with too with people. I mean I'm on the extreme. I mean I've done many things as well and uh, like I've done 
fasting for five days is the longest I've done, which I felt mm -hmm. fucking amazing, by the way, when I did that. After 24 hours, you're not hungry because yeah. it's hunger is a learned mechanism. Exactly, and it, it was it was unbelievable. But and I do I do pretty much zero sugar. I mean, I drink wine, a little bit of gluten-free beer, but I don't ever do any sugar whatsoever at all, except for from that. Good and I feel you. fucking amazing. And I, and I should. It does. Take, it changes everything. Yeah, and berries. Like, I mean, let me mentally step back. I do have a little clear, bit of fruit here, yeah. here every once in a while. So, but it's amazing. And, and I tell. But the on to your point again. It's like I've gone back and forth being in the fitness world for, for a long time too. Is like how do we do that with our clients? How do we get them to eat healthier? You know, yep. what is what is the key to do it? Because you've got all these different diets, paleo, keto is huge now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of where I kind of Flexible sit. dieting, if yeah. it's your macros. Right, exactly. Eat, so there's all app. this kind of stuff, eat by app. And it's like none of that is sustainable for most people. So it's like how do we get people to, to and I feel like it's much more through education and through adding healthy things in. Because when you add, let's say you add a, a, a like a healthy shake and it has kale and avocado and, and a, a good clean protein in there and maybe good almond milk that's not chemically filled and you add that in every single day but you're still going to McDonald's and stuff like that, fucking doesn't matter. You add it in the shake, that is the first step. Because when you start doing that stuff, I've realized, and, and going back to mindset, which we've been talking about a little bit, you start to feel better and you're like, holy crap, I, don't, I, I think I want to feel even better so let me not have McDonald's. And and now I'll do, it. and then you start to make your own decisions instead of some some trainer or some nutritional guy, person saying you need to do this. Instead, okay, find something that really works that you really like. You like maybe you really like cow. Maybe you really find you like spinach. Eat that. Put that in your diet and start there. You know, I think that's the that's huge, huge for it's you like know, the to first start step, too. Right? Because people really otherwise people get so fucking overwhelmed they just don't do anything. They're like, well, I can't do it, so I'm not doing nothing. You but know? yeah, you it's allow like, people to feel good about the steps that they've made. Exactly. And, you know, our society, um, again, driven a lot by social media, it's an extreme right um, version of everything. Everything's on steroids, you right? Want so. It well, you do, and you've got to do it to the letter, and if you don't, you're a failure. There's no middle ground Right. where, Steve, you're saying, if tomorrow I decide I'm not going to eat donuts, that's a step forward, and it should be celebrated for what it is. Exactly. Our culture wants to say, well, you're still eating that, and you're doing this, and that's what, you know, it's right. an all or nothing. Right. Uh, it's a zero-sum game. So, you know, we do have to have a more... Um, I guess, broader version of what healthy is. Right. Um, another thing that I'm into now, my wife and I actually bought a healthy vending machine fran franchise called Insta Healthy. And, uh, and there's more. And there's yeah. more than we, we've, signed, we've signed a contract with three locations currently. Um, <laughs> but it's, I tell people when I go in and I, and I make the presentation, I say, this is not health food. Right. It's a healthier vending option than the traditional chips, candy bar, and soda. It's protein bars, it's almonds, it's uh, beef jerky, it's, um, you know, it's just healthier versions. They do have like soda-like drinks, but there's no uh, sugar in there. Um, we have buy coconut water. I like to tell my kids that uh, their, their parents are in business with Justin Timberlake. Because uh, he's- Jose, his company. Yeah, he's a big investor in buy um, uh, drinks. They're not coconut water, but they're, they're fruit juices and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but they have no sugar in them. And uh, it's a cool commercial with him and Christopher Walken when Christopher Walken's oh. reading the NSYNC Bye 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 lyrics. Oh. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it, no. 
But uh, yeah, it's just a healthier option. So when you think uh, one of the schools that we're in is School 17 down here in the city off of, um, uh, it's off Lyle someplace down, down here, down the street. But, um, you know, those kids are eating junk food. Yeah, it's They're just amazing. eating junk food. Okay, so it's a step in the right direction. School. So to your point with nutrition, it's a better choice. It's a step forward. Yeah. It, is it going to make them, you know, have six-pack abs and, you know, their life is suddenly better? No, but it's a step in the right direction. So that's sure. that's my version of, that's my current version of health and fitness. Right. Now, what do you do with the meals? Do you have somebody that prepares the meals? Yeah, we have or? a kitchen that makes them. Okay. Yeah, it's right, a weekly cool. order. Um, you order, you get on the system, you get a text every Sunday, you answer the text, you say yes, no, this many, these meals, and it shows up on Tuesday. Okay. And right now, I'm the, I'm the delivery boy. I bring them to your house. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, so you're busy, see, busy guy. Yeah, face. yeah I show good. up, I show up, and uh, I'm like, hey, huh. yo, what's up? And here's your stuff, and people try to tip me, and I go, <laughs> that might be worth I it. go, I'm the CEO, you can't tip me, you know? But, and, <laughs> yeah, that's... Right. That's what we do, and um, I'll tell you, people fall off of it a lot, and I, and I don't blame them. It's it's bland food. You got to spice it up because there's no sugar, right? And it's got a bland fra- flavor profile because I think a lot of the meal companies out there right now are trying to be TGI Fridays. You know, they're trying to give you an entree that you would order off a you know a bar restaurant menu right. because they're trying to meet you in the middle, right? right. They're trying to get you to eat healthy, and they're giving you. Um, you know, taco bowl, whatever, fiesta taco bowl. And it works on some level, but I think people also want to see results from it. And if you can, and so I have an ongoing dialogue with my customers. I'm like, if you don't like this food, I totally get it. It's good for you. And it's not always great to eat. So what we advocate is you eat clean six days a week and you take a cheat meal, take a cheat day cheap meals better you shouldn't go off the rails entirely for 24 hours but right. um, we're trying to get people to eat healthier but we're also meeting them where they're at we want a little flavor once in a while right so on right. Sundays I'll get up and I'll make myself pancakes and put syrup all over it and um, mm. I'll make some coffee and I'll put about 17 teaspoons of sugar in it and uh, I get my sugar fixed and I know it's bad for me and it's it can be triggers for some people um, I don't advocate it if you have an eating disorder. Um, we've covered that subject in Healthy Edge, and it's it's a it's a mental health issue. You know, I, I'm well. I've made some trainers mad <clears throat> by saying, um, "Stay in your lane," so to speak. If you have a client that has an eating disorder, don't try to fix them because you aren't qualified to do it. Right. Um, telling them to try harder or work harder is not the answer. In fact, can send them the wrong way. Um, because then they have depression and all the other feelings that come with it. Um, but by and large, I think it, our meal plan, Healthy Edge Meals, it's a pretty basic staple plan, and it does work for people, and it allows for some indulgences. Yeah. Right. So that, that's the long and short of it. And it's five bucks a meal. I mean, it's. I try, again, with accessibility and sustainability, some of these prepared meals are costing 10 bucks a meal, and I'm married with five kids, so Holy you shit, know you do you do a yeah I got a few of them um, <laughs> nice you know if I'm spending two, yeah. you know 150 200 bucks a, a week on my prepared meals and my wife's spending the same and then we still got to go to Wegmans and spend 300 bucks to buy the kids food you know that's not sustainable for most people spending 800 no. bucks a week on food so I, I'm trying to kind of 
solve some problems there too. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to. I mean, I have two kids, and 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 uh, both of both uh, my wife and I work full time, and it's tough to it's tough to you know eat healthy and and prepare meals and do all that stuff when you're busy. So it's nice to have a kind of service too. Yeah, That's and you can awesome. order as yeah. many or as few as you want with us right. too. Um, some of these meals that come as sets. You know, you spend 150 bucks, put them in your fridge, and you look at them, and you, you know it's it's almost detrimental because you start to. We all beat ourselves up, right? You go, yeah. oh, I didn't eat last week's meals, and I'm ordering this week's, and I'm spending too much, and uh, it's not working anyway. It triggers that negative thought yeah. avalanche, if you will. Right. So, Change of perspective. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm I'm just trying to find something that fits uh, in most people's lives, and you know we've we've got. To, quite a few customers so I think it's working that's cool that's awesome, that's awesome. And if they don't so. like healthy edge meals go down the street and buy a, you know, a protein bar out of my vending machine <laughs> there you go that's awesome so, so I got a question sure what is John H's morning routine I want to know what gets you up and gets you fired up and gets you excited and do you have anything you do every morning that you've got to do that gets you ready for your days um well I don't sleep a lot so, um, my morning routine usually four. Um, my morning routine is usually going to bed, setting that alarm for the last possible minute that I can sleep in till, and realizing it says your alarm is set for three hours and fifty seven minutes. Right. So usually I'll go to bed, and about three hours into that three hours and fifty seven minutes. I'll jump out of bed like panicked that I'm behind, right? So I wish I had a better morning routine to tell people. <laughs> One thing I do try to do every day is roll onto the floor and do some yoga stretches. Cat cow, uh, child pose, cobra, down dog, forward fold. I'll flip, you know, that's, that's the bare minimum. And if I have time, I'll flip over onto my back and do some uh, posterior chain stuff with some uh, glute and piriformis stretches and things like that. Um, it so takes all of about two minutes and then I'm starting my day. So when you get like a new idea, you get inspired by something, do you have anything you do? Do you write it down? Do you like have a goal sheet or do you just like, I'm just going to do this. Does it come to you on the spur and you're just like, hmm. Um, you know, I would like to say yes. <laughs> I would like to no, tell all the listeners, hey, here's the formula to be successful because I'll tell you, I've listened to more motivational tapes, been to seminars, read books. Uh, my, well, she wasn't even my wife. My wife and I, Kim, um, in fact, she was totally against it for the longest time. When uh, I was 21, I had a friend, same age, we worked together at Domino's Pizza. Well, we bought our own franchise. So I was a business owner right out the gate. So that was 1989. 1991, um, my partner signed up in the Amway business. And I don't even know if they call it Amway anymore. I think it was Quick Star, <laughs> and then it cycled back. But I'll tell you, in 1991, Jim, my buddy, signed up. And he said, hey, you got to see this thing. And I said, oh, I remember my parents, some guy came over to the house and brought the magic of thinking big and tried to sell soap to him. And I resisted for three or four months. Anyway, I went to a seminar with him, and I was hooked because I liked the positive mental attitude. So I spent the next six years up until 1997 when I started working at the rack um, chasing around the Amway business. We made some money and sold some things. I sold, signed up a lot of people. But the best thing that came out of that was going to the seminars, listening to the, well, they were cassette tapes back then, 
and just associating with positive people, right? So I, I do that as much as anyone. I know the success principles, write your goals, put them in front of yourself, set smart goals. They have to be simple. They have to be uh, measurable. They have to be actionable, S-M-A-R. They have to be realistic and they have to be timely, right? There's Very the good, you remembered all that, nice. So um, I'd like to say that I do that but I'm an organic dude now. You know, if it's if it motivates me right now, I do it right now. If I'm not thinking about it right now, I gotta believe that it's not meant for me to do it right now. Yeah. So I just kind of follow where my thoughts are going. I'll tell you, I got a lot of enterprises going on, and I probably could do better at any one of those if I solely dedicated myself to that. But I'm not doing that. So I accept when I fail. Um, I'm happy when I'm successful. I think Healthy Edge magazine could be way better than it is. I think it's a decent magazine. It's outlasted a lot of magazines that were out three years it's like, ago. It's the only healthy health magazine in Rochester, right? Is there, is there another? There was Natural Awakenings that went That's out of business. Natural Awakenings that go out of business. Okay. Uh, there's a healthy something newspaper, if you see okay. it in the same racks. That's out there, and that's kind of a, a medical bend, and it's a potpourri of things. I've gotten more into medical stuff, too, though. Um, but yeah, in this format, it's the only one out there. Right. And that's why cool. I started it. I thought there was a, a, a void. And uh, I like print. I know a lot of people still do. Um, the people that have money to spend, disposable income, read magazines. Yeah. Um, I so, prefer to read magazines or read books over doing things online. Well, you, you have know, a relationship. Stuff. It's physical. Yeah, it's exactly. tangible. tangible yeah, and like people that. still like that. Um, and if they want to look at it online, we upload the... The, the issue on our website, Healthy Edge Media, they can do it there on their phone or what have you. So to answer your question, Rodney, I don't have any secret of success to tell people. Um, I don't recommend the way I do it to anyone. <laughs> I really don't um, because, you know, I'm a human being. I have frustrations. I won't say frequently, but frequent, frequently enough for my liking. I don't like being frustrated. Um, it usually compounds itself and people that know me from the fitness business um, and some people have some bad stories you know of interactions with me because I, I became frustrated over things and I tell people off I've always said what I wanted to say and understood that I would own the repercussions and um, hey when you're successful you have a lot of haters a lot of, you know it's oh, always, I've been successful uh, and I've been a failure at things yeah, I, exactly. I mean so that's the next question when do you decide, is it still a gut feeling when you decide you need to quit something? When it's like, I'm, I'm done, I need to move past this, this, this whatever I'm doing is not serving me. Um, yeah, it's... Sometimes I think people can hold on to those things longer than they should. I think yeah. good quitters are also successful people. Absolutely, knowing when that you need to, that right. it's done. Yeah, yeah cut, cut and run. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I think maybe I hold on to things a little too long sometimes. Um, but yeah, I've quit things. I've sold my businesses. I, I bought an insurance agency in 2011. I sold it in 2015, January 1st, 2015. You've been all over the map with things. Well, I needed to diversify my income. Right. Um, anybody, I shouldn't say anybody. There are people that are very successful in the fitness business that build a residual income, but most people do not. Right. But this and, is very, very tough. Yep. And, and like, I knew that my income was yeah. reliant upon my ability to trade my time for that money right. when I was in the traditional gym model. That's yes. what motivated yes. me to sell that. I right. sold my insurance agency. It was a cash cow, to be perfectly honest with you, but I couldn't make enough money from selling my gym to go into doing this magazine 100%. So I, I had to cash out of my 
um, insurance agency to gain the extra cash to allow me to do this. What made you sell the gym? What was well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get up and I didn't want to work sixteen hours, trade my time for dollars anymore. Right. Um, you know, my advertising salespeople knew this because you know they take you through marketing research and they make you kind of discover what is your brand. And I was the Downtown Fitness Club. Right. The Downtown Fitness Club was John H. And, right. Um, I was I was handcuffed to that, so I said, you know what? I think I can do it better with this magazine, radio show platform. Um, what I didn't anticipate was um, I I didn't know anything about the business, so there's a learning curve. I went out and said, buy this ad to my banker. <laughs> they said, well, why should we buy it? And I said, because you're my banker, and I I said you should. <laughs> and they are like, well, with all due respect. Um, that's not the way you do it. And I'm like, well, why isn't it? And uh, so, you know, we, it's a funny thing when you have those conversations, they don't sign contracts. So, you know, I, right. I didn't get that account. I didn't get this account. I didn't get that account. And I go, oh man, maybe this doesn't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going down the wrong hole. But then when you're about to say, maybe, maybe it's time to get out of this, somebody will call you up and say, I want to place an ad and they want to give you money. And I go, somebody sees something in this. So, you know, over the three years that this has been in print, we've attracted advertisers. And it's usually people, it's evolved to be a mission-based platform. We advocate, we're, we're an advocacy uh, organization promoting health, wellness, and fitness. If people want to align with that purpose, whether they sell cars or financial services or whatever, we find a way to put them on the platform. And we position them where I transfer, I think one thing I do have in the health and fitness community, whether it's with the business owners or not, you know, again, we've explained that I've got some relationships that could be a little better there. <laughs> but it, with the end users, people trust my brand. If right. I say it's a good thing, I've earned the right to say this is a good thing. If I say I wouldn't do that, same thing. So. I transfer that trust that I've earned onto the people that advertise with me. And that's how I've been able to attract advertisers and keep advertisers there. Um, and we reach a lot of people. Right, yeah. I mean, we reach, between all the platforms, we're reaching 40,000 people a, a, a month, which is significant for the amount of dollars that we charge for people wow. to be in here. So, um, how do I know when to cut and run? I think I'm intuitive. Just like training, I train intuitively. What does my body need today? Um, mm -hmm. Business-wise, when it's time, I'll know. It's the, right now, it's not that, time. That feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about feeling within Pilates or whatever right. we do. You know. Mm -hmm. I think it, it correlates to everything we do. That's pretty much how I roll too. You know, frustrates the hell out of my wife, but that's that's kind of how I have always, you know. I feel for Got your it, wife because you know? my wife is on the same journey. You know, she yeah. hitched her wagon to this uh, this mule here, and um, sometimes the mule is you know running at a fast pace, and sometimes that mule is just eating grass over there on the side of the road when you want him to go. And mm -hmm. it is what it is. And thankfully, I've been married for 25 years, and you know I appreciate um, and love that woman for kind of sticking in there. Yeah, I know it's not been easy. Yeah, absolutely. 
You're reading my campaign now. Oh, so what's going on with this? Yeah. We got a little. <laughs> so what we're looking at here. Join us for a campaign kickoff. What's what's uh, you're running for town supervisor? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, this isn't even official. I think I, it's the poorest kept secret so that we, I have. Are we gonna, are we gonna, are we gonna make this <laughs> official on this podcast? Then? Um, you guys are getting an exclusive right now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've spent the last three or four months walking around Webster, getting the signatures I need on the petition to be on the ballot as the Democratic candidate for town supervisor of the town of Webster on November 7th. So um, Monday we plan, what, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done, Rodney. Um, I'm running as town supervisor candidate and we have two town board candidates and I've agreed to run as a platform. So I'm not a maverick. I have to, we have a campaign manager, strategist, we have assistant man, we have all these people that I can't just fire off Facebook posts. Um, I have to run it up the flagpole. So I'm not autonomous. That's going to kill you. I'm probably, uh, yeah. Well, uh, funny story, <laughs> I'm also the leader of the Democratic Committee of Webster because I went down to Monroe County Democratic uh, headquarters the day after Barack Obama's farewell speech, and I said, I walked in the door. Now, I knew the, the women uh, that worked there full time. So it wasn't like I just showed up as a stranger. So I walked in and uh, I said, Barack Obama told me to come down here and run for office. <laughs> and they said, well, join the crowd. And we've had like six today, right? And I said, well, you know, in seriousness, you know, I want to explore this. Right? I've always wanted to be in politics. A lot of people at the downtown fitness club, because, you know, I just run my mouth all day. They said, you should run for mayor. And I'm like, well, I don't live in Rochester, so there's the first problem. But, you know, I've always had an interest in politics. So I said, let me look into this. And I said, what's out on the horizon here next year or so? Get, you know, I wasn't ready to jump in the pool. I wanted to stick my toe in the pool. Right. They said, well, the first thing you got to do is go back to Webster and start up the Democratic Committee because it's basically dormant. So I walked into a library meeting. There was four people there. I said, you guys got a Facebook page? And they're like, well, Facebook? What's it? I said, <laughs> I said, okay, step aside. Let, let me show you how to do this. And uh, so I got the committee going, and then they, uh, at our first committee meeting, the guy says to me, why don't you run for town supervisor? And I go, well, you know, my job here, because I was being a soldier for the MCDC, Monroe County Democratic Committee, is to get this committee going. But then I went back to give my report, and they said, I said, yeah, they said I should run for supervisor. And they go, oh, that's a winnable race. You should do it. And I said, Okay, I'll do it. So that's the evolution of how I, uh, how I got there. But um, anyway, I, got, I set up the Facebook page, I guess is where the story started and where we should take it back to. Um, I put a post out there, which was in the political world, we call it a leap. I made a leap. I took mm -hmm. some data, I kind of massaged it a little bit, and I drew a conclusion and I put it out there on a Facebook post. And the opposition picked it up. And kind of mocked it a little bit. Right. So my committee said, Perfect. We're removing you as an administrator off the face Facebook page. <laughs> and they, they put me in Facebook jail <laughs> over that post. And I said, well, I can speak to the post and I can explain the, the, the leap. I admit, it was a leap and it needed some better narrative, but I can explain it. And they said, no need. We're just going to take you off the, the thing. And I said, okay, that's fair. I've I'm happy to report I've been added back on as administrator. I've, I've done my probation. I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Political neophyte uh, that I was in that moment. <laughs> now I'm seasoned and experienced, and I've knocked on hundreds of doors in Webster. And frankly, I think I'm going to win this race. 
and I will be uh, Webster's town supervisor come January. So, nice. yeah, I'm in the political realm, and we have an event. What is this? It is a uh, August 9th, $25 suggested donation. That's too low. You guys got to write hundreds of dollars of checks. Of course. Um, <laughs> it's at Nucci's Italian Seafood and Steakhouse, 807 Ridge Road, Webster. Hopefully you guys will come out. It is a cash bar. You know, it's politics, right? We can't just be giving you guys stuff. What's the role of a town supervisor? You know, basically you run the budget. It's like I ran the downtown fitness club, right? You just look at your revenues, your tax levy. Um, you say, okay, this, we've got this much, here's the expenses, and you try to, you manage the budget, and you manage the departments within that budget and make sure they're on budget. And, uh, you know, there's some politics involved, but I think on the town level, it's just common sense. It's prag- pragmatism. It's just being practical and um, being responsible with your taxpayers' money. And I, I yeah. think I'm a good steward of people's money. I always use that philosophy at my other businesses, I didn't say, I'm the boss, I'm the owner. I said, I'm the steward of this place. Um, basically, you guys decide what happens here. There's going to be a, a tough decision every once in a while. Do we do this or that? And I'm the guy that that decision falls to. But other than that, I'm just kind of doing what you guys want me to do. And I think being a town supervisor is pretty much the same thing. So I think it's, a, it's not a big jump in uh, you know, responsibility or anything like that. And um, again, I think I'm a pretty astute guy, and I'll I'll do a good job. That's cool. It's exciting stuff. It is. It is. Yeah, very very cool. I'm looking for, for some mudslinging, though. I, I know the Republicans. I am a Democrat, um, <laughs> and I'm a. Uh, I converted from the Republican Party when I wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders. I didn't get the chance to do that. But um, you don't like Bernie Sanders? No, I like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is the is the man. I strangely I don't agree with his economics, but I liked his break away from the institution of politics. Yeah. I think he, it was refreshing and it needs to be done. And there's a power structure in this country. This is on a national level. It has nothing to do with my Webster race. Um, but that's why I became a Democrat. So now I'm a Democrat I'm running as a Democrat and the Republicans are entrenched in Webster and I'm looking for forward to them. Rochester in general is much more conservative. Yeah, the city speaking, itself right. is democratic. Um, oh, the county oh, yeah, is makes sense staunchly Republican. Yeah, staunchly Republican. Uh, I remember, like, I'm a musician, so I grew up. I grew up in Rochester, and um, we, my my friend and I, we actually, I, my very first business that we we owned this business together uh, in my early late teens, early twenties. We had this business, and um, basically, what we wanted to do is we wanted to uh, create more culture in Rochester at that time. This would be like late 90s okay you know um and third eye blind was very popular yeah through all the shitty (laughs) all the whiny 90s matchbox 20 was banging on the sound system (laughs) it's like that whiny 90s shit that was like (laughs) oh my god God, it's it's crazy but anyway so we went i don't remember who was the mayor during that time you remember you know i moved here in 1999 i started working at the rack in 97 i drove in from geneva where i owned my domino's pizza that's where i landed and 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 lived and so I moved here in 99 so I can't tell you a lot of 90s history yeah I don't see I don't remember but anyways we we wanted to start you know putting these we we put these small concerts together with these different bands and stuff like that like Buddha Hood who's still around actually yeah Buddha Hood's still around I've hired them at the East End Festival awesome nice yeah. And um, so we used to play with those, vibe. those those guys are yeah those those guys are cool. Um, so we, we we had them. We had a bunch of other I don't I can't remember names of any of them right now. But we put these at mile the old milestones. We put shows on there. 
that uh, is now no longer there. But Flower, we tried Flower City Station now. Is it Flower City Station now? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we tried to, and we wanted to get uh, this the city involved and, and help out to like do a bigger festival and just get people involved. And we got shut down immediately, and it was just the the, the backlash that or the the and, we, and neither one of us we were young. We weren't really good at the political end of things, anyways. But we were just all we wanted to do, and we just kept getting pushed back, pushed back, and pushed back, and it was just like. What the fuck? We just want people to come together and do music and have fun and Steve, and, uh, life ain't that simple, yeah. buddy. No, it's not that simple. As well, a guy who as, as, as I've learned now, <laughs> yeah. yes. In my and early twenties, I didn't understand, but you know. I spent eight <laughs> years as the organizer of the East End Festival, mm -hmm. the organizer of record. I mean, Michael Leary, who owned Milestones, right. yep. and now owns Temple Bar and Grill, was very behind the scenes, running a lot of it. He chose all the music. I right. I was responsible for all the finances of it, which right. included dealing with the city, right. getting the permits, dealing with the neighbors who were opposed to it, and the you know the politics that went with yeah. it. So I certainly uh, have walked in your shoes, and I understand what you faced. Um, if you didn't have the right connections and the right resources, yeah, you weren't going to yeah, yeah, make that done deal. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of really good success in New York City doing it. So we did a lot of really cool events down there. That was a hell you know, of a lot easier. It's funny that yeah. you say that because we that used to be our argument for the East End Festival. You yeah. know, if you go down to Manhattan or New York City or any of the boroughs, people just throw together street festivals all the time. Yeah, you know, any weekend that you're in the city. You there's just walk down the street. There'll I mean, be there's just, red. There's shit you got to do. There's yeah, red sure tape, there but but it's, but it's you know, more of a. You're more encouraged accepted. more to do things like that, yeah. whereas we started from a point of, we don't want you to do this. Prove to us why we should let right. you. Right. And, um, you know, it, the East End Festival, I can't take the credit for it. It started in 1990. Um, it grew through the 90s. It kind of had a decline in the early 2000s. I got involved about 2000. Uh, well, I bought the gym 2004, so 2005 was my first East End Festival at, involved as a business owner in the neighborhood, and then 2007 I started. I, I went to the organizer role. So are you still doing it? Are they still do it? No, we closed it down. 25th anniversary was 2015, and we said this is the last one. And um, I had sold the downtown fitness club, so I didn't. I didn't want to end it. Mike O'Leary wanted to. <clears throat> he had this new concept called uh, City Celebrations. What he was basically trying to do is repackage the East End Festival, call it a different name, and sneak it by the city residents and go back to three times a summer. We had shrunk it down to one time a summer. Right. The last I, loved, I used to love the East End Fest. It was one of my favorites growing the, up. The, the marketing narrative yeah. was simple. It was a perfect summer night, standing in the streets of the East End, Drinking a beer with friends you haven't seen in a while, catching up, Seems listening to the music. live music. It was great. I remember. And, was... um, you know, people just, it, it resonated with people. People yeah. loved that experience. Yeah. And people, you know, the opponents, we had city council members saying, it's a frat party. And I go, why don't you come down here and see the 50, I, 60, I feel 70 like that's, year old people? I feel like that's the conservative shit coming in, though. That's, that's, that, well, that's it's, like it's a the, false narrative. Right, like, it is, yeah. I said, I like, didn't see you down at the last one, so right. how do you know who's down here? Exactly. Exactly. I had one prominent council person said, I don't need to come down there. My nieces go down and they tell me what's going on and it's <laughs> disgusting. And I'm like, well, with all due respect, I'm, I'm not hearing what you're saying because I have a very different experience and I'm the guy who's on the street. 
and picking up the garbage the next day and making sure that this neighborhood is cleaner than it's ever been the day after an East End festival. So with all due respect, you're full of crap. It's frustrating. If you're going to complain about something, at least at least be educated in your complaint. <laughs> well, experience. politics is, is, well, I mean, we could, we could go on that bender, but um, it's having more support and having enough influence, cachet, to have people listen to your opinion more than it being right or rooted well, in course, facts. Which is one of the reasons why so, I'm a, I've, I've always couldn't stand politics, you know, yeah. because of that I'm an, reason. I'm yeah. a, I, don't, I wouldn't say anti-politician, politician, I, but I just, I'm not interested in the game of politics. Right. I'm interested in good, sound governance um, that comes from an informed position, uh, that's socially service. responsible, that treats humans for their human value. Right. They're not just numbers or cogs in your wheel. Um, I, I think I've kind of always been a Democrat in that, that sense, um, being a humanist and, and you know respecting the value of the human being, even when I don't agree with them and I yell at them. Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't respect them. It means I'm giving them a lesson right there. Um, but yeah, I think I've been a Democrat. I just made it official when I switched over. But right. you know, that's my idea of what politics should be. We're just we've just moved way away from that in this country. Oh, it just it's just all about Who money can yell and power. Louder. It's about money yeah. and power. That's it. Exactly. Fucking, who's got the most juice? Yeah, that, that's all it is. You know, who can manipulate their base better. Exactly. And that's who's all. gonna what 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 higher ups are gonna benefit from it the most? You know. I'm with you. I'm with you, so man. So it's like. But it's good. I mean, it, it's, you're going to have that balance. You're going to create a good balance then in Webster, anyways. If it's been pretty much Republican dominant, at least. Well, that it's will... been Republican leadership in the in the town, but surprisingly, the registration numbers aren't that far off from each other. There's okay. a, there's about a thousand more Republicans than there are Democrats registered. Right. But the Democrats in our town generally don't vote. Our my opponent isn't my opponent on the ballot, my opponent, I feel, is apathy. Mm -hmm. um, when things are good and you're comfortable, why bother? Why, right. why pay attention? There, there are no issues because life is good, right. right? It's when people experience distress or anxiety or something like that. Um, the one thing we do have going for us as Democrats is uh, Trump. Trump, <laughs> is, uh, Trump has shook up the establishment and it's activated the Democrats, um, but it's activated the Republicans too. I marched in the firemen's parade last week and I had people just screaming Trump in my face. I was wearing a Webster Democrat shirt and they'd go, Trump, Trump. And I go, hey, I gave him thumbs up, Trump. God bless America, you know? It's like, well, why would they even think that that would right. dissuade oh. me or anything like that? Um, so they're activated too. Um, Do you think this whole the whole craziness that we have going on political politically speaking at this point is has you know kind of made that apathy even greater, or do you think it's like starting to empower people to be like you know? We I think really it's activated to... people. Empowering might be a, a leap right. um, because I think there's still a general feeling of why bother? Right. I can't make. A I mean, I, anyway. I personally feel that way a lot of times. I mean, it's just like what the? I mean, there to me, it's like. They feel like they're all crooks. They're all fucking lying to me, you know. And I, I'm like, it, it doesn't matter, you know. I, I just, you yeah. know, I can go conspiracy theory with this too, but I probably won't go there today. But, um, <laughs> but um, I just, it's just very frustrating to me. And then you have a doofus like you have in there right now. It's just like, you know, what's the, what's the point? And you know, 
I don't know. It's it's very frustrating for me. And my personal, you can't you play can, the knife. <laughs> my personal opinion on Trump is he won. Where can we find common ground? Where can we get some things done? It'd be the same if Hillary Clinton won or Bernie Sanders. What, you know, there's got to be a unity. There on has some to level yeah. to get things done. But this has been so polarizing. This whole. Uh, it's like it, it would be the, the same thing the, no matter what though you're right like like I, I like to take a step back from it and like I'm seeing people on Facebook post about Trump just like I saw people on Facebook posting Obama like it was the same thing it's just now it's a new story right um, and it's like the whole system is kind of whack and like I don't know I, I definitely steer away from that. <laughs> well, well, you're not unlike a lot of people, Rodney. Yeah. See, my job as um, now pursuing office is to, well, strangely enough, the strategy to get elected is to try to activate your base and not activate the opponent's base. So you want to try to fly under the radar a little bit um, so you don't make them upset. That's why I got taken off the Facebook page because it, I said something that could be construed a way which I didn't intend it at all, but um, I could see where people could twist it that way. So um, the risk was I activated the opposition, you know, and they're going to come out with their pitchforks and their, their torches and I'm the ogre and they're going to, they're going to, you know, take me down um, because I'm a bad person. That's, that's the si oversimplified narrative of our po political discourse these days. People are vilified um, by their opponents, and they try to rally their constituents to their cause or narrative, and it's just us against them. You see it in Congress. You see it at ev every level of state govern government. It's, it's a power struggle more than a what is the people's work what needs to be done to move our society forward, and how can we best do that? Because there's special interests. There's, you know, you gotta pander to your contributors. Now, you know, I'm hoping you guys give me money. I will tell you right now, I won't <laughs> pander to you for it. Um, but uh, you, you know, I think. Oh no, you gotta buy that. Oh, I, uh, we have free hors d'oeuvres. Is that uh, on there? It, it should be. Job? It's free. You can eat <laughs> some hors d'oeuvres. You can eat some hors d'oeuvres. You, you can go. eat some hors d'oeuvres. Cash bar though. <laughs> um, did I mention that already? No free booze. You like okay over there, Ronnie? You're starting to sweat a little. <laughs> so anyway, you know, politically speaking, we can move on to another subject. I, right. I think my interest in politics is to do the people's work. And I think, I think that's awesome. I'm yeah. objective enough. I understand that everybody's a human. Everybody has wants, needs, hopes, fears, dreams, aspirations, all that stuff. And I want to try to do the best job for as many of those people as possible. That's, that's Period. Great. Point. There you go. Nice, awesome. nice, nice. <laughs> all right, we had a little pee break there. We're all back. Woo! Um, oh yeah. Feel good. There you go. Feel feel I'm much start, better now. I'm gonna start drinking more water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're just drinking water, folks. That's all. Um, so, anyways, what is uh, so so, John? What is one of the things that you would say to somebody? Let's say we have somebody who's you know just graduated uh, college. Let's say college, mm -hmm. and they want to start their own fitness business. What is like some of the pieces of advice you would give them? Uh, run in the other direction really fast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I would say decide what you want to accomplish in this business and what it looks like. Um, one of the things that I had to do 
um, when I bought my gym is I had to put together a business plan yeah. um, because I needed financing and uh, the city at the time had a grant program. They gave you an advertising grant, but you had to present them with a business plan. Um, and they actually gave you a consultant to work with you on your business plan. So one of the things that, um, and it was funny because I didn't really think about it for years. And then like 10 years later when I'm selling the gym, I, it's buried under, under a bunch of stuff in the closet, right? And I pull it out and I just start leafing through it. And I, it was amazing how many things that you put down on paper you did. You know, and you yeah. thought maybe it was intuitive or you thought you had this light bulb moment and you had a great idea and you're like, oh, no, that business coach told me to do that. So you should decide what you want it to be yep. and how you want it to look. One of the things I always tell personal trainers uh, if they're going to go in that end of the business is um, decide the hours you want to work because the tail can wag the dog. You got a customer that says, hey, I want to train at 6 in the morning. Then you got another customer that says, I want to train at 8 at night. And then you've got... Uh, 14 hours or 13 hours in between your two appointments and what do you do with that time? Um, and they're done that. You sure. know, so you try to fill that void or you, you put it closer together so close that you can't get another job. You know, I know people that are, you know, that worked for me as trainers that have gone and got other jobs and been able to work a nine to five, take a few clients in the morning, take a few clients at night and it, it's fine. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to make your living from it, it's a rough way to make a living because you just, you gotta, you gotta monetize your time. Um, so decide, do I want to work at six in the morning? Because if you don't and you stop, you know, you start showing up late for your training appointments, you know, everything matters, right? Everything matters. Um, just be all in, get your game plan and, you know, be true to yourself, be authentic. Don't try to be somebody else. Um, if you're like a, a motivational guru and it's it's real and it's um, you know organic and that's who you are, do that. But if you're not, don't try to manufacture it because it's just not going to resonate out there. So, you know, decide what you are, decide your your philosophy, decide your style, and it can evolve over time. It can change. You know, if you want to do Pilates today and tomorrow you decide it's something different and you're moved and you can build the case for that and you can tell your customers why you're doing then then you do it you know it's um but yeah i i I think if this is what you want to do again i was a knucklehead 18 year old guy walked in the weight room started lifting weights and i thought i would like to do this took me 10 years because you know i did the domino's pizza thing and you know i finally found my way to fitness 10 years later at 29 years old um but yeah I've, I've always been passionate about it, um, and even on the worst days. This is what I used to tell people as well, and I'll, I'll leave it here. Um, if on your worst day you say to yourself, well, I can't really think of anything else I'd rather do, you're probably in the right space. I like that. That's, 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 that's great. Very important to, to well, Thank remember. you, John. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me in. I think you guys got a good idea. I think podcasts are... Um, they're definitely the way to go to get your message out there. Yeah. And, uh, I think, and I think in our, and our thing is just wanting to connect with as many people as we can in Rochester to same as what you're saying, just to get people healthier. And it's like, it's, 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 uh, and we said this in the last podcast and I'll probably, I'll probably always say this because I think it's so important is, is that who was going to want to work with 
you know, you it might not necessarily want to work with Rodney or who's going to work with Rodney, might not necessarily work with me and so on and so on. So everybody, we've all bring, you just got through kind of saying it too, we all bring specific things to the table. So if we can just tell, get people in Rochester to realize, okay, we have all these different people to choose from, all these great businesses, great instructors, great different modalities to work from. Let's just, just get healthy. It doesn't matter what yeah. you do. Just start moving. You know, I think that's, I think that's super important to, to do. I agree. And it, my grandfather, always told me there's an ass for every saddle so to your point there are one million people in the greater Rochester area there's enough for all of us to do well absolutely professionally financially if you get out there you stay authentic to you know and true to yourself and you'll find the people that you're supposed to find exactly let me do a live read for you he is Steven Wheeler and it's Meta Fit X Meta Fit X yes Pilates Boot Camp, and you are at 425-1113. My eyesight's getting bad. So uh, Steve at MetaFitX.com. There's a hyphen between the A and the feet F, right? Yep. It's M-E-T-A hyphen F-I-T-X.com. Steve at MetaFitX.com. Give him yeah. a call. Absolutely. And then, then, then I'll tell everybody where they can find you, like your social media, your websites, like and... Uh, all that stuff, just to recap real quick so yeah. everybody knows. I, I think you can connect to most of our social media through our website, which is healthyedgemedia.com. Okay. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram. We're on all of those. You can connect through our website. Um, our event, which is the Rock City Health and Music Fest coming up August 12th and 13th at Ontario Beach Park, that is rockcityhealthfest.com. And then uh, if you live in Webster, come November 7th, vote for John Hutchings for town supervisor. 